Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas in personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Welcome back, Mind Valley fans, to the Mind Valley podcast. By the way, I just want to thank you guys. The last month has been incredible for us. A podcast has a five out of five star rating out of hundreds of ratings on iTunes. I've been reading your reviews, your ratings. It makes me so happy. And I so love it when you mention the authors and the speakers that we bring on and how they touch your lives. They love seeing it. And, you know, many of these men and women who come on the podcast, they're doing it for free. They're doing it because they have knowledge that they want to share. And your ratings, your comments, your statements about how they touched and impacted your lives is so important. It is the best kind of motivation that so many of our speakers and authors need. So thank you so much. Keep it up. And I am so thrilled to see all of those beautiful five-star ratings. Now, today's speaker is, um, okay, you got to hear this story because this is, this story is really crazy. You're about to hear from a man who became a legend in the NFL. He became the best at his specific role in the NFL. Now, I have a lot of friends who are NFL athletes, and you know they tell me that as you get older, many athletes, they don't know what to do with the rest of their lives, but not Bo Eason. After he left the NFL, he decided that being the best in one field simply wasn't good enough. And so Bo decided out of everything out there, to become an actor, to create his own Broadway show. And as you hear this story, it's, it's insane. He went on to create what the New York Times called one of the most powerful plays in the last decade. This was in 2001. Now, Bo wasn't done yet. He had now created and become the best in two distinct fields, sports and Broadway. He wanted another. He decided that he was going to become the best speaker he could be. Now, I run events around the world. I put 200 speakers on stages across the world every single year. That year, in 2016, November, in Mexico, at AFES, when Bo Eason took the stage, everyone was mesmerized. This talk is actually live on the Mind Valley Talks YouTube channel, so you can go check it out after this podcast to get additional of a dose of Bo, because I know you're going to want that. And he was voted, not surprisingly, best speaker. That is three different fields, sports, the NFL, Broadway, inspiration and public speaking. And now I believe Bo's going for a fourth field as an author. His new book is coming out. It is, I can't wait to get my hands on it. And it's called There's No Plan B for Your A-Game. Love that title. Its subtitle is Be the Best in the World at What You Do. So many of you have seen Bo's talk from AFES on our YouTube channel. You've seen my interview with Bo on Being the Best on Mind Valley Mentoring. Now, I'm so honored to bring you Bo Eason on the Mind Valley Podcast. Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. Wow, that was quite an introduction, Vision. Thank you, man. Uh, I remember that day that I was on stage in Mexico with you, and uh, 
came off stage and you said, man, you should write a book and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it in, uh, within my podcast and with my people. And, and here we are. I know. And, and you know why I said that? Why I said you should write a book is because your stage performance was so riveting. I mean, I see so many speakers, but you had me hooked. I dragged my son. He must have been, gosh, like nine years old into the room because I wanted my son to see you and get inspired by you. Okay. So, Bo, firstly, um, the book. Congratulations on the book. When is that coming out? That comes out September 3rd. September 3rd. Okay. So for those of you, definitely check out for the book that's spelled B-O-E-A-S-O-N. You'll find it on Amazon. Search for Bo Eason. The name of the book is There's No Plan B for Your A-Game. Go ahead and pre-order the book. There are several bonuses and, and really cool, cool additions that you're going to get when you pre-order. Now, Bo, before we get to the key, the key idea here on how to be the best at what you do, you got to share your story, man, because that story is riveting. Yeah, I, I mean, I wrote the book based on, you know, this story that you're about to hear, which was when I was nine years old, I drew up this plan. I had this dream to be the best safety in the whole world. And that's a position in football. For those of you who don't know, very specific position. And I wanted to be the best at that position, but I was only nine. So I drew up a plan. I followed the plan and the whole way, pretty much, I wasn't very good, right? Uh, I wasn't a great high school player. I was okay, but wasn't great. Um, I didn't get any college scholarships. In fact, no colleges wanted me. And there's 350 colleges that play American football here in America. And not one wrote me a letter. Not one wanted me. So I walked on. I just invited myself to a small college called UC Davis who didn't give scholarships, who didn't, who, who basically played football for fun. And I went there, and after the first practice that I practiced with these guys, they took away my uniform. Because you sucked that bad. <laughs> they took away, they emptied out my locker, took away my, my helmet, my uniform, told me to go home, and uh, I didn't. I slept in my pickup truck, and I ate peanut butter and hot dog bun sandwiches, and I stayed. And the next day, I just showed up for practice, you know, and I talked to the equipment managers and there were some salty old guys. They were mean as heck. And I was like, guys, can you just give me a uniform? Cause I got this plan and this dream to be the best safety in the world. And I only got about four more years to fulfill on this thing. Can you just give me a uniform so I could at least just practice? And they thought that was funny. They thought it was cute. Uh, and I weighed about 145 pounds at the time. Right. So I didn't look like what my dream was saying I was supposed to. And they they gave me a, a uniform that did not match. They gave me a, a helmet that was too big. It didn't it did. It, it was no longer in use because there was no uniform for you because there was you were not meant to be on the team. You were sneaking your way into practice. That's right. I was going to sneak my way into practice with a hundred other guys so I could kind of blend in. But because they gave me an unmatching uniform, <laughs> it makes me laugh just to think about because they gave me an unmatching uniform, uh, I, I didn't blend in. So there's a hundred guys out there and me and my uniform doesn't match and my helmet doesn't fit. So I can't really see because it's coming down over my eyes. So I practice with these guys for a month right? And I sleep in my pickup and I eat peanut butter hot dog bun sandwiches for lunch and for, and for dinner. And so finally a month passes and it's our first game. 
So our first game is happening. And again, I have to sneak onto the field with a uniform that doesn't match the rest of the team because my mom and dad are now at the game and they're expecting me to play. Right. But I don't get to play. Right. They sit me on the bench. They hide me over there so I don't get in the way of the real players. And finally, toward the end of the game, we're beating this team up pretty good, like 35 to nothing. And I said to myself, I got to sneak into this game somehow. And so I sneak into the game and I replace our best player, the captain of our team. I replace him on. Wait, wait. How did you replace the best player? Well, I went up to him and he's, he's number two, right? But that's the number they gave me. His name's Daryl Goss. His, his, his number was number two. My number was a duplicate of our best player. And so he's getting ready to run down on the kickoff team. So I, I went up to Daryl and I said, hey, man, can you can I run down on the kickoff team for you? And he's like, no, man, you're are you crazy? The coaches will kill me. And I said, no, no, coaches cannot kill you, man. You're our best player. <laughs> <laughs> you're the captain of our team. And so he agrees to let me run down on the kickoff team for him. So now the number twos have traded places. So I run down on the kickoff team and I'm supposed to throw my body and my head right into the, the, the wedge, which is the four biggest players on the opposing team. So that's my job, right? But I'm so little and I'm so scared that I don't want to do that. And I see how big these guys are. So I decide that I'm just going to close my eyes and go airborne. So I do that. I go airborne over top of this wedge. You jump over those guys. Yes. Like almost like a high jump, right? But head first. And these guys, these four big guys just watch me fly over top of them. And as on my way back down to earth, I smack the ball carrier. I don't even know I smack. I, all I know is I feel it. I couldn't see him because my I was so scared my eyes were closed. And I hit the ball carrier right in the chest. He goes flat. The whole crowd stands up cheering. I stand up and put my arms above my head. And over the loudspeaker, I hear this. Tackle made by number two, Daryl Goss. And I start to run off of the field because the part that was different about me and Daryl Goss, even though we shared the same number, is that Daryl Goss is a 250-pound black man. <laughs> and, so, and, so now, <laughs> and so now I'm running off the field trying to be invisible, and I look over to the sideline, and our head coach, who sent me home a month ago, is looking at me like, what is going on out there? And then right next to him, Vision, is the real Daryl Goss. He's standing on the sidelines with his mouth wide open like, oh no, this, this freshman just ruined my life. <laughs> and so that whole weekend, I ran off the field. I tried, no one said anything to me. I, I was hiding. I ran into the locker room. I, I took a quick shower. I ran out to my pickup truck, slept in my pickup truck, ate peanut butter hot dog bun sandwiches, and the following Monday, I'm just thinking, you know what? I'll just pretend nothing happened and I'll just I'll just go to practice on Monday and no one will know the, the difference. So I show up on Monday 
I open my locker and sure enough, there is a brand new varsity uniform in my locker with brand new helmet. And from that day on, I, you know, became one of the best players to ever come out of there and the top safety drafted four years later. So even though my college career started with me just begging for a, for a practice uniform and begging for a game uniform, four years after begging, I'm the top safety in the world, which if, if looked at me, there's no way those two things could be true. Now, now you went on then to get drafted by the Houston Oilers in 1984. You became an All-Pro. You then continued with the San Francisco 49ers during your five-year career. And you went on to compete and play against some of the greatest players of your generation. Yeah, so I played with numerous Hall of Fame type players. And it was, it was just really, it was a blast and it was fun. And when that was over, uh, I had seven knee surgeries while I played. So when it was over, I was being, in fact, I had a, uh, I broke my foot, my ankle and blew out my knee for the seventh time in Miami. And I will, as I was being wheeled off of that field vision, the, the, the thought that I had in my head, because when an athlete, when you, when you know, it's over, when you know that injury is so severe that it's over, you, you're, you're now thinking about what in the heck are you going to do with your life? Because I trained to be the best in the world at one thing for 20 years. And that one thing was playing this position called safety. Well, the safety's job is to hurt people. So I'm thinking as they're wheeling me off, the one thing I do best on this planet is hurt people. And I said, that does not translate too well to the civilian world. How am I, how am I going to make a living? What am I going to do? And the first thought I had was, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to move to New York City. I'm going to get on a stage because I saw plays before, but I'd never been in one. And I was always kind of mesmerized how people could be on a stage and not be themselves, right? Like they could perform and, and, and act. And I go, if I could learn to do that, the way I express myself on a football field will then cross over to the stage and I'll be able to have an occupation and make a living and avoid going to prison all at the same time. Right. So I thought that, that's a good plan. So I just did, you know, what I always did vision, which is what, where this book comes from. Uh, there's no plan B for your A game, which is my first declaration. My first, you know, dream was to be the best safety in the world. So I said, I'm just going to duplicate that. I'm going to duplicate that in stage performance. So I wrote in a book and I have the book. Um, I'm going to be the best stage performer of my time. So I moved to New York. So I got in every class I could possibly get in, and I just buried myself in training. Wow. Now, 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 Bo, before, before you go into that story, because, and you know what's crazy about, what's crazy about listening to you? Your stories are so much fun. They are so hilarious. They are so masterful. As you're telling the story, I remember seeing you say the same story from stage three years ago. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait till he gets to this part. Oh my God, I can't wait till he gets to that, that bit. It's, it's, such, it's such an intriguing story. I want to ask you in a moment to tell the story of Al Pacino, right? Al Pacino and how he inspired you. Um, but before we get there, before we get there, I'd love 
to ask you this question. In that whole experience, becoming, because you became the best in your specific role in the NFL, right? Yes. What was the key lesson there? The key lesson for our audience that's listening right now. Yeah, here's what I want everyone to hear. It's like, so when I was nine, I drew it up. I declared, it's called a declaration in the book. I declared I wanted to be the best. That's very crucial. Most people don't declare anything. And certainly if they do declare something, they don't use that term, the best. If you, I have learned through the principles of doing this over and over again, Vision, that once I declare what I want to be, and then I add the words, I want to be the best at that, or I want to be the gold medalist at that, or I want to be the greatest in the world at that, those things come true. It's just a matter of time. So everybody should understand they have to declare what they're going to be. And when I say the word declare or declaration, think of it like this. This isn't necessarily goal setting. It is more like the Declaration of Independence. That that story was written by our the, the founding fathers in America 250 years ago. So every American that lives under those guidelines expresses that freedom through the way they live, through the way they talk, through the way they express themselves, through the way they move through the world. That's the same way as as having a declaration of being the best safety in the world. I'm just living in to being the best safety in the world day in and day out until one day I'm standing on top of the heap, which is what I want you all to remember, that these things these declarations happen. There's no getting around it. Once you declare it, and once you start to follow the declaration and live it into existence, it becomes true in the real world. I've done this over and over again. I do this with my kids. I do it with all my clients. Could you give us an example? When, when, when you talk about these declarations, so I'm, I'm very curious, how do you do it with your kids? I make them declare what they want to be the best in the world at. But isn't there, isn't there a craft to it, right? And, and I'm sure you cover this in your book, but isn't there a craft? Because don't you have to get really specific? Because imagine if anybody says, I want to be the best scientist in the world. or I want to be the best software engineer in the world. Well, that's going to be kind of unrealistic, right? Well, at first, it's, at first, kids are a little bit vague, right? Like my youngest, Lila, she said, because Axel said, I want to be the best I want to be the first guy to play in the NBA and the NFL. So that's very specific. No one's ever done that. So that's like saying, I want to be the first guy to land on Mars. So that's really specific and pretty. That is an is a simple declaration that is going to come true, even though it's never happened. Isn't that weird for me to say? But our youngest, Lila, hers was a little more vague because she was younger. This is what she said. I want to be the first flying dentist. And so me and my wife, Dawn, are going, we don't even know what that is. I don't know what a flying dentist is, but we went with it. We said, okay, we drew up the board. We started talking about it, what that is. And then as she got older, a few years, then it started to define itself. It started, we started to find exactly what it was that she wanted to be the best at. And you know what it was? It was this position of high jump, the, this sport of high jump in the Olympics. 
So she was talking about being a flying dentist and we're trying to put it together, you know, from a five-year-old's perspective. But here's the beauty of it, Vision. When you're working with kids and adults, when they first start their declaration, a lot of people are fearful that they're going to choose the wrong thing. And the wrong thing is also great because it always reveals the right thing. So you're never wrong. Now, this idea, this idea of being the best, doesn't it feel to some people as being overly competitive? Because to be the best, you gotta, don't you have to beat someone else, be ahead of someone else? Isn't it good enough to be one of the best? Well, here's the thing. When you're, when you aim to be the best, get, this is why it's not, it's, it, it helps the rest of the world. You bring people with you. Every time I've done this vision, people have gone with me. So when I wanted to be the best safety in the world, I went to a high school vision that there's no pro athlete ever came from that high school. Never before I got there, never since I left. So that's a hundred years this high school has been around. Never has there been a pro athlete before I got there, never since I left. But the, the class that I graduated from, four guys went all the way to the NFL for 25 years and two Super Bowls. That's never happened before. And it happens because one person has a dream to go to the top and they you always drag people with you. Because just think of it, Roger Bannister, when he broke the four minute mile mark in the mile, uh, as soon as he broke the four minute mile mark, now everybody started breaking it. But for years, they thought it cannot be broken. No human body can run the mile in under four minutes. Well, now, in this day and age, Vision, high school kids break it regularly. I know it's amazing, right? After Roger Bannister ran the four-minute mile, within one year, 30 people ran the four-minute mile. And used to, people used to think it was impossible. So I see what you mean. You uplift others when you aim for that degree of excellence. Because, look, us human beings... If there, there is one thing we've got to follow, and that's Mother Nature. And the first rule that Mother Nature lays out for us is we are competitive. We know how to survive. And to survive is to compete. So our ancestors, the only reason all of us are on this podcast right now is our ancestors knew how to compete for food, for mates, for shelter. And you and me are made, we're cut from that cloth. So we are competitive beings and we do have, but it doesn't mean you have to hold somebody down. It means, hey, come along and compete with me and let's both get, get to the top. That's, that's the world that I like. And that's the world that every time I've made this declaration to be the best, whether it's an author or a playwright or a stage performer or, or a speaker or a safety, people always come with me. Amazing. Amazing. I love that story. Now, as we go deeper into this, this idea of aiming to be the best, I really need to ask you to share this with the audience, the Al Pacino story, because this is such a classic. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as I was being dragged off the field for the last time and I thought I was going to be going to prison because what I did best was hurt people. Right. Um, I decided to move to New York City. So I did. 
and I got in every class and I just learned as much as I could. Now, I was 28 years old. Now, I was the old man in these classes because these classes had 18-year-old kids in it, 17-year-old kids in all these theater classes. So I would go to these kids, Vision, and I would say, hey, guys, listen, I want to be the best stage performer of our time. Who is that right now? Who's the best stage performer of our time right now? And they all said, this was like 1990, they all said, oh, that's Al Pacino. And I said, that's cool. Where is he? And they're like, I don't know where Al Pacino is. He's probably, you know, on some movie set. I go, listen, if he is the best stage performer of our time, he's the guy who's got to train me. He's the uh, the guy I got to talk to because I want to take his mantle. And so they go, well, you can't talk to Al Pacino. So within about a week, I was at Al Pacino's house. Right. And I'm at his house and it is there is snow coming down. It's like Thanksgiving holiday here in America. And I go to Al Pacino's house. Now, when I walked into his house, it's exactly like you think it's going to be. There was 15 Italians. It looked like a scene from The Godfather. 15 Italians stirring pastas and broth. And they're making this big feast and nobody spoke English except Al. They all spoke Italian. So Al says, Al Pacino says, come on back to the back, Bo. I've got a pool table back there and I'll break down what you want to talk about. So we get back there and we play pool for three hours. And I tell him, hey, man, I want what you've got. And he goes, "Okay, I'll tell you how to get it. I'll break down the plan for you. but." Just so you know, that's going to take you 15 years. And I said, that's great because I work great in those kind of timelines. And and so so Vision, for three hours, we're playing pool. He breaks down my next 15 years, what I'm going to be doing. And basically, what he told me was exactly the same thing that I had to do to be the best safety in the world in football. It was basically the same lesson, which was this. He said, Bo, your butt and your feet have to be on a stage in front of people for the next 15 years, more than anybody else's butt is on a stage in front of people. That's basically the 15 years. He said, if you do that, if you put in the hours and you grind this out, and you suck in front of people, like you, you know, just fail, major failure in front of people for years upon years upon years. And you're willing to get used to that failure. And you're willing to go, I can actually deal with failure and adaptation and getting better. After 15 years, you will be standing on top of the heap. And so after the three hours were over, Vision, I shake Al Pacino's hand. I said, Al, thanks, man. I said, man, uh, you know, actors, performers must come to you all the time. And he said, no, you're actually the first. And I I couldn't believe it. I go, no one's ever asked you for this. And he goes, people ask me all the time if I can make them famous. And people come to me and want me to introduce them to my agent or get them in a movie, a movie part. But no one has ever come to me and said they want my mantle. They want to be the best stage performer 
on the planet. You're the first. And I could I remember walking away not believing that that was true. So then for the next 15 years, Vision, I did exactly what he said. I mean, I sucked for so many years. I did children's plays. I did Shakespeare plays. I was awful. I stuttered. I, 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 I didn't know what I was doing. But I kept grinding it out. And I got better day in and day out. 15 years passes. Almost to the day. 15 years passes. And I'm backstage about to open a play that I wrote, and I'm the only guy in. And that was your one-man show, Run to the Litter. That's a one-man show, Run to the Litter. And I re I'm about to open in New York, and it's opening night, and I can hear the music come up, and I'm standing backstage, about to run on stage, and I'm thinking this to myself, what in the hell did I get myself into? Why am I doing this? I don't belong here. I've spent so many years training to be the best safety. I've spent so many years training to be the best on stage. And I was so nervous and the lights came on and I ran out. And as I'm out there on stage, I was having like this out of body experience looking out at the critics and the New York audience. And I make eye contact with a guy in about row five and it's Al Pacino. And we make eye contact and he just, he folds his arms in front of his chest and he gives me this approving nod. And I'm like, I'm on stage trying to remember my lines and I'm like, shit, that's Al Pacino watching me. And that nod was the best review that I ever got. And from that point on, that was, you know, that was, I guess, 2002, something like that. And that play ran for 17 years. It went on a 50-city tour. It's being made into a movie. And the biggest lesson there, Vision, and for the people listening on the podcast, it's another big lesson that we, we handle in the book, which is, look, I, I only want you to work with the best also, because the best are the people that will help you. No one else knows how to get to the top of the heap except the best. If you go to second best or a hundredth best, they can't help you. Otherwise, they would be the best. So you've got to go to the best at what they do. They're generous for one. And number two, they are the ones who can help you. So always, always get your coaches that are the best. Always go seek out who has your life. Who is the best stage performer? Who is the best author? Who is the best safety? Go find them. Ask them because they're the ones that can get you there. And there's, they're the ones who are the most generous and it will help you and share you to get there. Because if you go to second best, they're not generous because if they were, they'd be the top, but they're not the top and they won't help you because they think you're going to pass them up which you are. So that is a, a cardinal rule that we follow in there's no plan B for your A, a game is you got to work with the best. That, that is such an incredible lesson. And I know it sounds almost trivial, but that lesson is really, really, really powerful. What you just said, the people who are the best at what they do are often the most generous because they don't feel threatened in any way. Way back in 2008, when I was first building up Mind Valley, 
I wanted to figure out how to get really good at conducting online interviews or webinars, as it was called back then. I sought out the best guy in the industry. His name was Alex Mendocian, right? And I was shocked at how generous he was. He, he, without me, you know, having to even pay him a large check or anything, offered to spend four hours, just like Al Pacino spent three hours with you. Alex Mendocian, who was this brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man, had written books on the topic, spent four hours with me and my team training us. And the result was in one year, we were able to take our company from making loss after loss after loss, month after month, to making it really profitable on this model of online online classes. And I was shocked at how generous this guy was. And I think there's a lot of truth in what you're saying. The people who are at the peak of their field are incredibly generous with their time, with their mentorship, that so many of us are so fearful to just ask. That's a hundred percent right. And look, that is a that's a big point. I in fact I in the book, the last chapter is about a guy named Jerry Rice, who is the greatest football player ever to play the game. And the reason he's the best in a hundred year history is his generosity is off the charts. He's just more generous than the rest of us. He gives more of himself and he'll give more to other people than anyone else I've ever seen. So never, never, never think that you can't reach the best. If you go to the best, they are the most generous, just like Vishen talked about. Um, I found that to be true in ballet. I found it to be true in being a pastry chef. I found it to be true being a safety or a writer or, or a playwright. The greatest at those specific positions will help you. But the, but the, the, the second tier, they will not help you because they don't know how and they're afraid of you. Right. So those two are incredibly powerful lessons. Let's do a quick recap for the audience here. So the first one is declare that you want to be the best. So many people lack clarity in their goals. And a really great goal is to be the best at what it is that you do, because the difference in love, appreciation, in salary, in compensation between the best and the second best is often huge. It is not a linear line. It's an exponential curve, wouldn't you say? A hundred percent. And you have to know that is more natural to you. you. Look, you were born number one. You were born against all odds. You were born number one. You were the one sperm out of 300 million that fertilized that egg on the day of your uh, on the day of your conception you were born number 1 y you have to know who you are it is in your dna to be the best it's not in your dna to be second best we're not made that way gosh i feel so inspired right now i just want to go back and update my life book now the second the 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 second thing is find the right mentor and the people who are the best are the most generous with their time. That's right. The best can give you can get will give you the keys for you to be the best because they've been there. They know how to get there. And like you like Vishen just said, they have more generosity than second best. So you must follow those two those two lessons today. Perfect. So thank you so much, Bo. Now I want to give a quick mention of your book because. And, and you know, guys, I, um, I have a very firm rule at Mind Valley. I never endorse a book I haven't read. 
Never, never, ever, 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 ever. I get a request to write an endorsement or to review a book every single day. And I don't because it wouldn't be fair and I would lose my credibility with the audience. So I want to be upfront here. Bo's book isn't out yet, so I haven't had a chance to read it. But this is why I'm endorsing Bo's message. It's because he spoke at A-Fest. And you can see this talk. If you get to YouTube, you can watch Bo perform perform his message. And it is so freaking mind-blowing. The The title of the talk is called How to Be the Best at Whatever You're Doing. And um, because of how good this talk is, I know this book is going to be masterful. This book is going to be a gem. Now, not only did Bo give a talk on Mind Valley Talks, um, which you can find, like I said, on YouTube, but I also interviewed him for Mind Valley Mentoring. And again, he was incredible. He shared the Jerry Rice story there. I want to read out some of the comments that you guys have said about listening to Bo's talk. This was so incredible, hooked to the last second. Wow, I started watching and I never expected this gem to come out. Exceptional and extraordinary presentation. Powerful, amazing. He is amazing. What an inspiration. Holy smokes, this is incredible. These are all comments. You can see them below the YouTube video. I want you guys to just do two things today, if you have time. Number one, when you get home from work, most of you listen to this podcast on the way home from work, I want you to pull up YouTube, go to Mind Valley Talks, subscribe, and search for Bo Eason and watch this talk. Trust me, this there are many talks out there where you learn stuff. And you know, you're learning. And so you know you're gaining from the benefit of learning, but it may not be as entertaining as an episode of Stranger Things. Uh-uh, not Bo Eason. When you watch this talk, this is like watching a stand-up comedy routine by a world-class master. This is the guy, like I said, whom the New York Times said produced one of the best damn shows of the decade on Broadway. You are going to freaking love this. And if you're going to love this, you're definitely going to love the book. So again, go to Amazon and pre-order the book. There's no plan B for your A-game, Bo Eason. So Bo Thank you so much for being on the Mind Valley podcast. You are a true gem of a man and a role model for millions of people. I'm so psyched that you've been able to share so much of your wisdom for Mind Valley. And because of how much you've impacted my life, I'm going to make sure that I do my best to make sure that people stumble upon your knowledge and are inspired like I am. Thank you, Bo. Thank you, Vision. Any final closing things you'd like to say about the book? These principles that I have followed every time I've attempted to be the best, you know, it's declaration, preparation, acceleration, and domination. And those are the four steps that we follow. And I'll take you through, the book will take you through those. And it gives you these action steps at the end of each chapter. And if you order the book, you know, if you pre-order the book, then there's all kinds of cool bonuses like companion workbooks that you get, live trainings from me you get. And so if you go to Bowie's and book.com you can pre-order that and then i'll take you through those lessons and um i just i i believe everybody's birthright is to be the best and i just think we live in a culture that keeps frowning upon us being the best and i think that flies directly in the face of our nature and I want you all to know it and I want you to read it and 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 get busy on these action steps. Amazing, amazing. So B-O-E-A-S-O-N, B-O-O-K.com and check out the book and grab the um all the free guides and bonuses that come with it. Thank you so much, Bo. Thank you for being in the Mind Valley podcast. And if you guys enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and leave us a review and share this with your friends. And remember, check out the book. 
and check out Bo's talk from A-Fest on the Mind Valley Talks channel on YouTube. Take care, folks. I'll see you next week. Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.